Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. Welcome into Cleveland Browns Daily. Nathan Zagura, the returning Gibbay with you here from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea. And it is a loaded show today. Bo is out. He will be back with us tomorrow. But, I mean, we have got a ton going on. Denzel Ward officially signing his contract with the Cleveland Browns, the extension that will keep him in Cleveland through 2027 and will make him the highest-paid cornerback in NFL history. That's official. We will hear his press conference. We will hear from Kevin Stefanski, the Browns head coach, about what it means to have this team back in this building, getting ready to put in the work for the 2022 season. We'll hear from new Browns wide receiver Amari Cooper as well. Plus, 130, Dane Brugler live, Jacoby Brissett live on this show. It is absolutely loaded, kids, as we get ready here for really what feels to me like the official kickoff. We laid out the offense for you on Monday. We laid out the defense for you on Tuesday. But the media now, it is rolling. Lots of press conferences, lots of interviews. And then on Friday, we'll hear from General Manager Andrew Barry and other players as well. So we are officially rolling here for the 2022 season of the Cleveland Browns. And I got to tell you, had an opportunity, ran into Deshaun Watson earlier today. He is thrilled to be here. Uh, I told him I apologize on behalf of the city for rolling out the white carpet for him with all the snow yesterday, and he said no big deal, but just happy to be around his teammates and, and getting to build those relationships and those bonds. And I also just had an opportunity right before we went on the air to do something very, very cool. I got to sit down with Denzel Ward fresh off of his his contract and, and talk with him, and, and our interview I thought it was, I very much enjoyed it. Uh, I, it was a great time to get to talk to somebody who has done something historic, something that they're very proud of, that their family is very proud of. But at the end of it, uh, it was really cool. And this will either come out on social, on Building the Browns, or both. Um, but at the end, there was a, a video, about four minutes of family, friends, mentors, people that he's touched and lives that he's saved, people who's, who are alive today because of his Make Them Know Your Name Foundation all you know, sharing congratulatory messages with him of love. And, and just to see Denzel get a little emotional watching it, I got emotional, and that's going to be – we'll have that for you, so you'll get an opportunity to see that what I thought was a very, very special moment with a very special player and a very special person. And I think it, that's one of the things that makes Denzel so great is not only is he an Ohio guy – not only did he play high school, he go grow up here, not only to play college at Ohio State, now he plays for the Browns, never having to leave the state really for his entire football career, but so generous in the community, making a difference. The Browns Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee in 2021. You know, and, and I was thinking, Gibby, there are a lot of very, very good players in the history of this league. There are also a lot of great people in the history of this league. When you have a great player who's also a great person in the community, that's a little more rare. The guy who came to my mind when I think about it is Larry Fitzgerald. 
He was, I think, multiple-time Walter Payton guy. I think he won the actual, the whole award for the league uh, and is one of the all-time greats. And, you know, Denzel Ward has an opportunity to be, I think, you know, one of the greats at the position, but also be on that short list of guys that are, you know, potentially, you know, all pro, potentially, you know, one day could wear a gold jacket, but also would be involved in, in getting that recognition as the Walter Payton Man of the Year. And he does it quietly. Very he quietly. Is, he is not about the flash. He's not about the media. Um, he, he, he really, he's very quiet and he's not big media interview <laughs> person. Uh, I think he likes to let his actions speak louder than his words. And he has quietly taken that foundation to, to levels that I'm not sure that he and his family thought that they could achieve. Uh, and, and they are there and, and can, and it's, and it's going beyond, I think when anybody, thought it could be he does it quietly you don't hear from yeah. him you know he's he's happy to step up and talk after games uh he doesn't shy away from it but at the end of the day he quietly wants to let his play do the talking let his actions in the community do the talking and he, he's a great kid he's a great guy not a kid he, i mean this is his fifth year with us yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Guy's been around. We we were doing some prep today before your interview. Like he played Deshaun Watson in a bowl game. I mean Clemson won and knocked out Ohio State. And, he, and uh Denzel was a younger pup on that Ohio State team, but uh I mean that that's how far back this goes. And you know, from Nordonia High School to the Ohio State University to Cleveland and and being a part of this organization and being a part of this family and being a part of this group uh, for Clevelanders to know f- forever. Uh, it's pretty special, all that he's accomplished. And uh, congratulations to him and his family and his foundation, who I'm sure is going to benefit from <laughs> the uh, the contract that he will be signing if he has not already signed it. I'm not sure where he's at. <laughs> like no, we're, we're they got good. him all over the place today. We're good, and we'll have obviously all the the official announcement and hoopla and things that we've prepared for this moment will be coming out. I would imagine today, but just a great moment for Denzel, great young man, uh, and make them know your name. They know your name. There's no doubt about it. They absolutely know his name. Now, we know your name, Gibbe, as you were playing the heel down in Florida as it was snowing here, sending pitchers, gallivanting around. What? Uh, how was your trip? Are you feeling refreshed? You're quite tan. Uh, I am quite tan. A little burnt, a uh, little medium well, as opposed to uh, – It's a nice-looking tan. It, it, uh, it, it was a nice little getaway. It was quick. Got out uh, midday Friday, came back late yesterday. No, uh, no flight issues. Amazing. Big fan. Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, was stunning on Good Friday. Uh, I, I thought the airport was going to be insane. Like, we got there two and a half hours early just to be on the safe side because I didn't know what sure. to expect, and we weren't sure what was going to go on. I had to check my golf clubs. But, you know, for the rest of us, every, you know, because we're going to my in-laws, everybody just packs a backpack, like, that you can carry on from a clothing sure. standpoint. Sure. We were through security within 12 minutes. And then I'm like, okay, now what do we do? Well, you go to the bar. That's what you do. And that's what we did. So uh, great Easter weekend uh, in some warm weather. And 
I know I was joking around with you guys yesterday, but remember, Cleveland, remember, like we do get snow in April sometimes. The good news is it doesn't stick around very long. And usually within a couple days, we're back to being warm. Now, okay. the, right. the, the rain, not ideal later no. this week. No. Uh, I, I'd like the 70 degrees. I need to be a little drier. I don't even know how I'm going to begin to mow the lawn with the uh, the old zero turn. You're not. It's, you're not. Uh, you're not going to be on that thing safely until June, buddy. Yeah, not ideal. No, not ideal. Not uh, not. not not exactly what I'm looking for. But it was a nice getaway. It was a quick getaway. Would have liked to stay longer, but uh, draft week is almost upon us, and plenty to do here at the Cross Country Mortgage Campus. Yes, plenty to do, and obviously plenty going on in the league. It had been, by the way, a little bit quiet around the NFL. Well, not anymore. Debo Samuel requesting a trade from the San Francisco 49ers. He tells Jeff Darlington, uh, keep an eye on the Jets. That wouldn't surprise me at all. He knows LaFleur, their offensive coordinator, knows Robert Sala, their head coach from his time there with the 49ers. Maybe the Chiefs, with their two first-round picks, replace Tyree Kill with, with Debo Samuel. Maybe the Green Bay Packers replace Devontae Adams with Debo Samuel. They've got a lot of first-round picks. So I, I, there's a lot in play, and it is a pretty wild thing. I think that uh, the Niners, I'm guessing, would be – they've got to be shocked. They're under no, uh, by the way, obligation to trade him. Uh, you would think that, you know – Playing with Kyle Shanahan, who got a great – he had a, carved out a role for Debo Samuel to not only carry the ball as well as being a receiver that made the Niners very effective, made Debo very effective. I thought he had a, he had a career year. Uh, I'm guessing they're absolutely willing to pay him to keep him. He is a, a transcendent type of a talent, um, but we'll see. Is it, he it, transcendent just, simply because of the system he currently plays in? No, I think he's very I think he's, yeah, I think he's elite. I think that he's one of the best receivers in the league. I think that – I'm surprised that he wants to be out there, though. He's number one in the NFL in yards after the catch, number one in uh, yards after contact per rush. He was 4.6. Our Nick Chubb was like 4.25. But he's a very talented guy. There's no doubt a very talented guy. Another big subplot here as we get ready for the draft, and we've got, I I believe, eight teams with multiple first-round picks that certainly could be in the mix for him. Um and that's going to be an interesting thing to play out, and I think it has massive implications if the 49ers lose him. And by the way, Samuel would not give the reasons for his trade request. we know what the reason He's just saying that he's requested the trade. What's the reason? Money? Yes. Who's saying they aren't going to pay him, though? Well, they're probably not giving him what he wants. It goes back to the conversation we had last week about this this next group of wide receivers, DK Metcalf and and – all these guys that are of the same length in their contracts right now that are due to get paid. And are you going to pay them if the wide receiver classes in the draft continue to be as deep as they are that you could possibly replace him with another stud wide receiver? Well, that's going to be the interesting thing that is, is you see going forward, right, is – does wide receiver at some point as colleges shift to spread offenses and shift to pass centric offenses. And they've done that for a while, by the way, but it just feels like every year, like we get six guys drafted in the first round, you know, our team's going to do what Minnesota did and let Stefan Diggs go and get paid and then drafted Justin Jefferson. 
will Justin Jefferson be the next guy that they trade and they draft a receiver, or or will they pay him? Because he's going to command Buku Dolores. And, and what's amazing is the elite receivers are making 150% of the elite corners right now, which I think is a wild thing. And I don't know if that's sustainable or not, but a receiver that's that good certainly changes the way a team has to scheme and, and deal with you, and we'll see how this all plays out. Uh, if I'm the 49ers, uh, we'll see at mandatory minicamp. Like, you're under contract. Let's go. Enough we'll of this. We'll see how it all plays out. Or the first-round pick would certainly be able to get one. And would you you'd plug a Traylon Burks in there. You plug a Garrett Wilson in there, save the money, use that in, in other places. I don't know. I, I think Debo is unbelievable. He's a great wide receiver. And then you take the running back part of it, and he's – He's excellent, but I think he's one of the top five receivers in the NFL right now and should be paid as such, and we'll see how that ultimately plays out. One of the top corners in the NFL did get paid, and that is our Denzel Ward. When we come back, you'll hear his meeting with the media after becoming the $100 million man. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. If a car, truck, or motorcycle accident caused you injury, call the injury lawyers at 1-800-ELK-OHIO for a free case review. Elk and Elk proud partner of the Cleveland Browns. Denzel Ward will be a Cleveland Brown through 2027 after signing a big contract extension that will make him the highest paid quarterback in NFL history at this time. And he spoke with the media today here at the Cross Country Mortgage Campus. That's the plan. That's the plan. did you know that this was getting Probably like the week of, uh, a couple of days before. Uh, the talks were picking up. And uh, just constant conversation between my agent and uh, Mr. Barry. And uh, so I knew it was kind of getting close. And then the day came. It was, it was crazy. What's the commitment mean to you, the fact that the, the franchise has invested in you now? And I, I remember a year or so ago we were having those conversations mm-hmm. about not knowing what was going to happen. But for them to make this type of commitment, what does that mean to you personally? Yeah, it means a lot. I mean, I, t- I tweeted about it. I told them that uh, – just the fact that they're continuing to believe in me, believe in a kid that uh, grew up in Ohio and uh, went on to play for his hometown team. And uh, they're trusting the, my abilities and what I could do for this team and what I could do in this community. And so, I mean, I, I'm blessed. I just, just want to continue to give back, want to continue to show that I'm that guy, I'm deserving of this. And uh, I mean, it's not just for me. So uh, I'm just excited. Family reaction, like man, crying, excited, jumping around. Everybody's excited, and they should be. So, just excited, excited for my family, excited for my mom. Got a good Mother's Day gift plan. <laughs> uh, it's, it's definitely in the works. It's definitely in the works. I can't talk about it yet, though. <laughs> what about uh, now that they've made this long-term commitment to you? Uh, what do you feel like? Maybe you want to give back, maybe even more so than you already have, which I know is a lot. But mm-hmm. just in terms of leadership, play on the field. What more is there for you? Yeah, I mean, it always starts with the work. And, I mean, I feel like I've been showing that uh, since I've been here. But, I mean, I'm going to continue to work and uh, be myself, be the person that I've been since I came into this organization. But, um, I mean, just it's going to, like I said, I'm going to be able to do more things and uh, expand out in the community. And uh, that's one of my biggest things as well uh, with my foundation and things that we got going around Cleveland. So, 
um, coming up with different ideas to give back and uh, just be a positive impact. You, Miles, Nick, Joel, Wyatt, all these extensions here. Is there a sense of pride to like be a part of that group and know you guys are building something together here? No, it's, it's definitely a sense of pride. I mean, like you said, those are core guys and, and guys that you see out there on the field making plays. So, I mean, we got to continue to hold that standard and uh, keep it going. So, I mean, now that uh, we got the contract done and everything, it doesn't mean that we could relax. It means that we got to go harder, if anything, and uh, continue to show why we got it. What do you think of the shakeup at quarterback? Say it again. What do you think of the shakeup at the quarterback room? Yeah, I mean, I, I trust AB. I trust the Haslam's and um, everybody that they brought in or the moves that they made. So all my trust is in them. And whoever's out there on that field, I know is going to be ready to play. First impressions of, of Deshaun. I mean, we've been in constant communication. Deshaun, he seems like a great guy. I mean, we're going to continue to uh, build our relationship uh, throughout this offseason program, and as we uh, the team start coming together. But he seems he seems like a great guy. Like I said, this entire secondary with you and Greg, John, Grant, you know, Ronnie's back. Yeah. Everybody's still pretty young, mostly locked up. How good do you think you guys can all be? Man, we could be special. And I think the biggest thing too. I mean, we're getting a lot of those guys back. So I think the biggest thing is chemistry. So I mean, we we went left on a uh, good note last year with this group, and uh, I think we could build on that. But like I said, the best thing for me is getting those guys back, knowing how they play, uh, knowing how I play, and uh, working together. What's it like being the top paid corner in the league and seeing Jalen Ramsey tweeting you about joining that hundred club? Yeah, it's a blessing. I mean, when I. Every time I see it, it's just crazy to look at. I just, I don't know, I'd be in shock and then all just looking at it. Just, I mean, it's been a lot of amazing corners, DBs, and uh, players that have went through this league and uh, been in the position that I'm in now. And for me to have my name there, it, I mean, it's a, I take a lot of pride in that and a lot of respect in that. And like I said, I just want to continue to show that uh, I'm that guy and I'm that player. Any other players in the league reach out to you, maybe text or anything? Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot, a lot of players in the league. Uh, on the top of my head, I know uh, Joe Hayden, he reached out. Uh, you guys seen uh, Ramsey. Uh, man, it's, it's a long list of people that reached out and congratulated me. So definitely appreciative of those guys. So be, uh, this will be your third year with Joe Woods, which that, that's unique enough. So how, how could this defense evolve even more than it did last year? Yeah, like I said, it's going to be special just having a – the same group of coaches back, the same group of DBs back, and just building that camaraderie, you know how each other play. And uh, with Joe Woods and his defense, like getting a better understanding, I feel that plays a big factor. Uh, just having a comfort level of knowing what to do, knowing the calls, and um, knowing what new calls he's going to put in, and knowing how he likes to coach and play. So, I mean, that, that, that's huge to have all these guys back. But obviously, being a local guy, I guess, what level of specialness does that add to, to getting an extension with your, your hometown team? Yeah, it's special. I mean, it's, it's a story that not, not many could, could speak about. Like, I played down the street when I was in high school, went on to play at Ohio State, still in Ohio, and then getting drafted, you don't, you don't know where you're going to go. And then um, for it to be, you see an area code of your hometown team calling, and you're going down the road to play for your hometown team in the NFL. It's, it's a story that, that hasn't been written many times. So like I said, I take a lot of pride in that. I take a lot of pride in um, what I could do for this team. So just wanted to get back and uh, show that I'm that guy, like I said. Andrew Berry has not been shy about taking care of the core players here. The organization has invested a lot of money the last two to three years in the team collectively. Just what type of impact does that have from a culture standpoint within the locker room? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it shows that if you're going to come in and put the work in and do your job, do what you're supposed to do, what you're expected, I mean, they reward those guys. And so I say I'm appreciative of those guys, appreciative of A.B., the Haslam's, and the entire organization. Uh, I feel like I was a guy that came in and uh, just tried to get to work and um, just kind of be a role model on the field, off the field. And uh, they rewarded me, rewarded the community. So um, I think it's just a lot of props to those guys. When you came to the league with Baker, with him kind of being in limbo at the moment, have you spoken to him at all? Kept in contact with him? Yeah, definitely kept in contact with Baker. Uh, he congratulated me uh, on the deal, actually. So I was appreciative of him for that. Denzel, would you? Um, the defense played so well at the end of the year last year. Would you like to see Jadavian Clowney come back and, and be with the team and with that defense this season? Yeah, I was uh, definitely speaking with him recently. I, I would like to see Clowney back. I feel like he was a, a big key factor for us on the defense, him and Miles. I feel we're a great tandem, but um, so hopefully we could get that done. If, I mean, like I said, whoever AB and those guys bring in, I'm sure are going to be able to get the job done. But uh, Clowney was definitely a great asset for the team. Denzel, last uh, I think it was June when you were telling us that your agent was in contract talks with the Browns. Mm -hmm. Did you think at any point last summer something would get done? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not sure. I don't know. If, if it was going to get done at that at that point in time, uh, I mean, talks were going on, but I mean, we didn't come to an agreement at that point, obviously. But uh, my biggest thing was just focusing on ball and and just trying to play the game, because uh, during the time we were talking was we were in the season and playing, so uh, that's all I wanted to focus on really during that time. How it was going to be like, you know, it didn't happen then, but are you glad the way it worked out? Obviously, you know, in your favor, but are you? Are you glad that you were patient and that you may have bet on yourself in a way? Definitely. I mean, I, mean, I feel everything happens for a reason. And uh, when stuff is meant for you, that, that's, when, that's when it will come to you. So I wasn't pressed or I wasn't, I wasn't in a rush to get a deal done. I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm here to enjoy the game that I've been playing since I was a little kid. And, um, and if things worked out in that way where we were able to get a deal done, then that would have been cool too. But... If not, then I'll, I'll wait on my time and uh, just put in the work, continue to put in the work and work towards uh, what I'm playing for. Contract locks you up, obviously, one of the core members of this team. How does that play into the evolution of you as a, as a leader on this team with that commitment the team has given you? Yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm going to continue to be the, the guy that I am. Uh, the contract, is a, it's a blessing, but I'm, I'm not going to change who I am. I feel like I'm a role model and I'm a leader on this team and uh, I lead those guys. Uh, in my own way, so I feel like I said, I'm just going to continue to be myself and everything else to take care of itself. You've been in the league now four years, so you know how hard it is to get to the postseason. Do you feel now with the changes at quarterback and, and your contract, during the duration of your contract, the Browns will make it to the Super Bowl? Uh, I feel that's, that's all our goal. That's all our goal is to get to that level, get to the Super Bowl, but for me, I'm a person that likes to take stuff a game at a time, a day at a time. I don't like to look too far ahead. I feel you, you take stuff a game at a time, you win that first game, and everything else at the end of the year take care of itself. But obviously, that's our goal at the end of the year is uh, to get to that championship and get to that Super Bowl. And uh, we're going to put that work in to get there. Obviously, it didn't go the way you guys had hoped or expected. Just now that you're back together in the building and that, just what's what's the mood like coming off of that season and, and just where are you guys I guess mentally as far as 
aiming to, to get back to the postseason this year and kind of put the bad taste of last season uh, behind you? Yeah, I think guys are excited. I mean, we got a new year. We got a new opportunity to go out and play the game that we love and uh, get to that championship, get to the Super Bowl, like you guys said. And, um, I mean, that, that's the biggest thing. Got the guys back. Guys are having fun out there on the field, working out, and uh, getting back together. So it's been fun. Going off of that, there were multiple players on defense that were critical of the camaraderie and the team chemistry kind of at the end of the season, and a lot of it came from defensive players. With you kind of being a key player who's going to be around for a while now, how can you change that culture and make a difference to kind of learn off of last season and move forward this season? Yeah, we've, we've actually been in a lot of talks with that, with that camaraderie. I mean, we've been doing things off the field, getting together, going out to eat. I know guys like Deshaun, uh, Miles are planning trips for guys, and uh, we're going to get together and, and build that camaraderie off the field, not just here in the facility, whether that's going out to eat, like I said, taking a trip, working out together. So we're definitely building that camaraderie, and that's been, a, like I said, a big thing from last year and a step that we're trying to take. Denzel, I'm sorry. Deshaun comes here with a little bit of a cloud over him, some questions about his character. Does that matter to you as a teammate? Are you curious to finding out what kind of guy he is? Um, I feel that A.B. and those guys, they, they did their due diligence and they uh, took care of their responsibility and looked into everything they needed to look into with Deshaun and everything that's going on. So, I mean, I trust those guys. I trust what they did. Uh, meeting Deshaun, like I say, seems like a nice guy. And uh, he's obviously a great talent. And looking forward to continue to build our relationship uh, on and off the field. And, um, I mean, we just take it from there. There's been like this arms race in the AFC. Russell Wilson's now in the AFC. Devontae Adams, Matt Ryan. What's your outlook on how this conference got tougher? It's, yes, it's looking tough. I mean, we're tough too. So uh, we can take stuff a game at a time. We got to work, put the work in to get to where we got to go. And uh, everything else will take care of itself. But I mean, we're all competitors. We're going to go out there and compete. Uh, so, uh, I mean, we welcome the challenge and we look forward to it. Mark, going back to Deshaun, you've been on the other side against him. Yeah. So what makes him the player he is? Yeah, he's special. He's a special player. His uh, passing ability, but it's not just passing. He's able to maneuver in the pocket and run. But, um, I mean, he's a, he's a special talent. I mean, we, like you say, he went against, went against him in college. Actually, they blew us out. So, I mean, they're having some trash talk going on with that. But um, I'm glad he's on the team. Looking forward to it, uh, what we could all do and uh, putting this thing together. And that's Browns cornerback Denzel Ward. Excited about this team, excited about his new deal, as he should be, and excited about the prospects for the Browns in 2022. And I love talking about building that camaraderie, building that chemistry both on and off the field, getting that cohesive locker room that you need to be able to make it through the rigors of a four-month season, five-month season, and, and hopefully for the Browns beyond that this year. When we come back, Dane Brugel, the draft analyst for The Athletic. His 2022 edition of The Beast is available now. All you have to do is subscribe to The Athletic. It's like, what a gift to yourself. If you care about the draft, you care about learning about the prospects that are going to the Browns around the AFC North, anywhere in the league, you will get smarter. And we're all about to get smarter because he's joining us live next. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
OBM, Ohio Business Machines, preferred copier provider. The Cleveland Browns have all the X's and O's for your office. Call 216-485-2000 or visit ohiobusinessmachines.com. We go to the hotline now. We welcome in Dane Brugler. Follow him on Twitter at DP Brugler. He is the draft analyst for The Athletic. Get his 2022 edition of The Beast now by subscribing today to The Athletic. And Dane also has joined me for what we call the Draft on Tap series, which is available right now. I tweeted it out. It's on our app. It's on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Browns. Taking a look at realistic picks for the Browns at pick 44 at wide receiver, at defensive end, at defensive tackle kind of looking at the the options there day two second round third round uh for those two third round picks and then we'll even have a dream scenario for you depending on which position you take first there so be sure to check those out and dane i'm sure the busiest man in america appreciate you joining us what's going on buddy as we're here just eight days out from the 2022 nfl draft Good afternoon, gentlemen. It's uh, just trying to catch up on this Debo Samuel news, looking for a trade. I mean, it's this yeah. NFL machine just does not slow down. It's it's just a constant, uh, constant thing. So it's uh, that'll be a fascinating uh, something to watch. It will be fascinating. Debo Samuel, a great talent, and and there is some speculation I've seen on Twitter that all of these wide receivers saw what Christian Kirk got paid by the Jacksonville Jaguars and said, "Wait a second, I need way more money." to stay playing for your football team. And and we've seen guys move because of the big deals, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, and it looks like the next one will be Debo Samuel, which it's hard for me to believe you'd want to get away from Kyle as an offensive player. Like he just will get the most out of you. But at the same time, I think he's about getting paid and perhaps going someplace a little more pass happy. But does that kind of change as you sit out here does it make it more likely that another receiver goes in the first round? Do you think one of those first round picks for a team maybe that has two will be traded for a Debo Samuel? How do you see it impacting things eight days from now? Yeah, and I think part of it with Debo is he's he's tired of being a running back. You know, he he wants to be a receiver, uh, and that's part of what makes Debo so unique as a player. But in terms of longevity, in terms of his body holding up, uh, you know, I think that's what that that's that's as much driving this decision uh, as anything uh money included but it, it also speaks to you know kind of like you were saying all these receivers getting paid the the movement we've seen at the position that's why a lot of teams are looking at this wide receiver class and saying let's get younger let's get cheaper and it's a it's a top heavy group this year so the talent is there as well where we're going to see a lot of receivers go in the first round uh you know as early as uh, as the top 10 and then it's just it's we're going to see a run uh, they're going to fly off the board we could see six seven maybe eight uh, receivers go in the top uh, top 32 and then it's not going to slow down on Friday uh, those guys will continue to move uh, on, on in the second round of the draft so you know their wide receiver is now the second most expensive position in the NFL aside from quarterback uh, and so it's it, it, a team that or it's the position that's going to put points on the board. Uh, wide receiver is definitely the hot position right now. It is. And, and are you starting as we get closer? Is there kind of a consensus on maybe the order in which these guys might come off the board? Because I'll tell you, Dane, I've seen mocks where Jamison Williams is first off the board. I've seen Garrett Wilson first off the board. I've seen uh, Drake London first off the board but a very talented group that are get littered in, in the first round. And it's, I think it's part of a trend where eventually these wide receiver salaries are going to have to kind of stall out because you're getting a ton of studs in the draft every single year, it feels like. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. It's going to be a common theme every single year where we talk about these receivers uh, and in the way they can help an NFL offense. 
And, and, you know, they're all under the same bucket of wide receivers, but these guys are so different in what they offer. You know, Drake London is a drastically different player than what Jamison Williams gives you as a wide receiver. So I think a lot of it depends on each individual team, their offense, their scheme, who's already on the roster, uh, you know, who they feel like is going to uh, complement what they already have. And so it's, I don't think it's as simple as, you know, who's the best receiver because each team's going to look at it a little bit differently. Uh, I, me personally, I like Garrett Wilson the best. I, I think that he helps you, uh, especially after the catch, but he can get open before the catch as well. He plays much bigger than he looks. His body control, uh, he can play through contact has ball skills, uh, and he's still still growing, still developing. He's going to get better and better. But I understand why some teams – I know two teams that have Jamison Williams as their number one receiver on their board, and wow. it just comes down to the speed. It's special. It's different. And, you know, he, he makes SEC defensive backs look like they're staying in still, and that's just – that's not common. So you add a dynamic talent like that to your offense – and defense, it changes the way defenses play you because they have to account for Jamison Williams on every single play and all the different ways he can beat you with that speed because he's not just a trap guy. He can get an open underneath. He can uh, you know, snap off these 90-degree cuts and uh, still uh, maintain that, uh, that speed. And then with Drake London, he gives you the size, obviously. Uh, he, a, a huge target, uh, has the, the catch radius, has the length. Um, so, you know, if your quarterback's not pinpoint accurate, just kind of throw it up there where defensive backs can't get it. And there's a good chance that uh, Drake London's coming down with it too. But he also has the lower, blo- lower body flexibility of a smaller player. He's, he's not a slug out there. Uh, you worry about the vertical separation, but not underneath. He has some of that short area quickness. So, uh, yeah, these receivers, there's something for everybody. You know, Chris Olave and um, you know, Traylon Burks. Uh, we could go on and on just talking about the receivers because there's just such a such a, a, a glut of these guys in the first and second round. Well, and for the Browns, they'll be looking at the second round, pick number 44. And we talked about right now, if you want to get really in-depth on a lot of these guys, check out, as I said, our draft on tap right now at uh, cleanbrowns.com, the Browns app, and the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Browns, where Dane goes through you know, about seven, eight guys that could be in play at 44 for the Browns, or if they wait until the third round. But let's stay at 44. Uh, a name that I think a lot of Browns fans are intrigued by is Pickens out of Georgia. You know, are you hearing anything pre-draft, some buzz on him? Christian Watson would be another, but I think it feels like he's going in the first round now. I've seen some people, though, by the way, that have Pickens as their number one receiver uh, in this draft class. I think it was Greg Cosell and Matt Bowen who said that uh, just a couple days ago. What do you make of the receivers available there in that second round and who could potentially be in play in pick 44 for the Browns? Just you know, talking with teams, uh, it is it has not come up that George Pickens uh, in the first. Now that doesn't mean it, it can't happen. You know, I don't know how exactly thirty two teams feel, but sure. um, of, of all the receivers, uh, you know, Pickens has been uh, mostly talked about as a second round player, uh, a guy that may be a coin flip whether or not he goes uh, top forty or if he could be an option uh, there for the Browns. But there's a lot to like about him: six three, one hundred and ninety five, two hundred pounds in that range. Has speed. He's a four-four guy. He's a graceful athlete. But what you love most about him is the competitiveness at the catch point. He can win, uh, go up and win over defensive backs. Uh, he's coming off that ACL injury, and so that that's part of his conversation as well. Uh, missed eleven games this year. Just you know, is the the knee in good shape? Is it uh, progressing well? Do you think uh, you know he'll be one hundred percent in training camp? You know, all these questions 
have to be answered uh, before you invest a pick in, in a guy like George Pickens. But uh, he has wide receiver one traits. He has that type of ability. It's just there might be a little bit more of a projection with him uh, because he is still a little bit raw as a route runner and you know coming off the injury. So you know there's question marks. But you could absolutely see a trajectory that that uh, you know leads George Pickens to being a team's number one receiver down the road. And what about what do you make of Christian Watson? Because you know there are some drops there. You've ta- you and I have talked about that, but mm-hmm. he has a size speed combo that is unique. But if you go back through NFL history, you know there are a lot of guys who have gone in the first round who were kind of those crazy size speed guys, but it maybe never has manifested itself, you know, to be an elite consistent playmaker. Or do you see things on the tape though that lead you to believe he has an opportunity to develop into more of a complete receiver than kind of a one trick pony? Yeah, I mean, Christian Watson has not hit his ceiling yet. So, you know, you don't want to say that this is what he is and what he's going to be. Um, but I, I do think it's fair to point out that uh, – so, like, so when I look at receivers, um, I, I, something I pay attention to is that touchdown-to-drop ratio. Uh, you know, ideally, yep. you want that uh, more touchdowns than drops. With Christian Watson – in his career is 14 to 16, uh, so more drops than touchdowns. And that's, especially at the FCS level, you want to see a guy dominate. Uh, going up against, uh, you know, most FCS corners are not going to sniff the NFL. You want to be able to see a guy dominate that level, and he just doesn't consistently do that. For a guy that's 6'4", he kind of plays like he's six foot. You know, he doesn't consistently use that size to his advantage. Now, you love the speed, you love the athletic profile, and he's certainly talented. Uh, you know, I, I, in the late second, early third, that, that's to me, that's where I would, you know, take a chance on him. But he's going to go a full round earlier than that just because of the, the raw measurables and, you know, what, the, the thought of what he could grow into when he gets NFL coaching and he gets into an offense that really focuses more on the passing game. Because that North Dakota State offense, it was a run-first scheme. You know, that's, that's their bread and butter. Um, and, and so it, it really didn't allow him to, to blossom fully as a receiver. But going to an NFL offense, you feel like there's still you know, there's there's a chance for him to continue to get better and better. And that's what teams are going to look at when they consider him in that late first, early second round. And for the Browns, talking with Dane Brugler, the Athletics Draft Analyst. Follow him on Twitter at DP Brugler. You know, for the Browns, you've got – you know, a wide receiver coach in Chad O'Shea, who's amongst the most respected in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And I think that that uh, allows them, if they were to go more on a projection side of things, to do that and feel like they're going to be able to get the best development out of them. I mean, nobody's gotten more out of Devontae Parker in his career, and he was a first-round pick, than Chad O'Shea did the year he was down with him in Miami, was the play caller for that organization. So that's a possibility there as we move kind of into – third round type of wide receivers one name I can't keep getting away from and we've talked about him a lot Alec Pierce out of Cincinnati reminds a lot of people of Jordy Nelson I love Jordy Nelson I feel like it's somebody that could be that number one X receiver for you what do you make of Alec Pierce and maybe some of the other options at that position that would be there in the third round yeah, and you and you love big athletes and that's what Alec Pierce is 6'3 211 pounds uh, and you love guys that come from athletic families. You know, they got that background, that, the, the bloodlines. His mom was a big-time volleyball player at Northwestern. His dad played football at Northwestern. Uh, his brother uh, was an all-conference basketball player uh, in college, uh, also played uh, for the Tar Heels. Uh, and so, you know, it, it's a guy that has a lot of ability um, it just needs to be needs time to develop into a more complete receiver. Uh, you know, add branches to the route tree. 
um, you know, show that he's more than just a, a guy that's going to, you know, out jump defensive backs for the football. He's got he's got the, the the leaping skills, no doubt. He was over 40 inches in the vert, uh, and you love the straight line speed, four four one uh, in the 40 yard dash. Uh, just an outstanding time for a guy that's north of six three. Uh, it's kind of, you know, a little bit like the Christian Watson conversation where he's still growing, still developing, um, but you do love the compete skills. He will go up and get the football. Uh, and also with him, he's got a special teams background. They even tried him at linebacker a little bit when he first showed up there at Cincinnati, but he makes plays uh, on special teams. Uh, he, he was used as a gunner uh, on punt coverage. So there's a lot of things about his profile, athleticism, competitiveness, toughness, that those are the things you want to bet on, especially when you get to the third round and you're looking at wide receiver with traits. Uh, he's a, a former team captain. Uh, he's got All-American honors. So there, there's a lot to like about Alec Pierce and what he could develop into uh, when he's part of your wide receiver room. Dane, I know you would like that for the Browns there in the third round. You've mocked that that pick to them at some point. So if that happened, let's go back to pick number 44. And it feels like this is a great year to want an edge rusher in the second round and even into the third round. But in that mm-hmm. second round, that's a spot that really the Browns could target. Who are some of the names that you're looking at there? And what are you hearing around the league about guys that could be available at 44 out on the edge? Yeah, you know, I'm really interested to see just the same as wide receivers, but to see that run on edge rushers, you know, obviously we're going to see those guys go early with uh, Aiden Hutchinson and Trevon Walker, Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, Jermaine Johnson, uh, George Carl Loftus. But who's left? Who who makes it out of the first round? Who makes it to the to the mid second round where the Browns will be picking? Uh, it, you know, it, I, I like I don't think a boy Mafe or an Arnold Ebiketti make it that quite that far. Could Logan Hall out of Houston, who you know I know some people look at him as a a defensive tackle, a three yeah. technique. Uh, What's the but, deal with know. that? What's the deal with that? Because I've seen that, Dane. You, you have mm-hmm. talk, call him an edge. I've seen other people call him a tackle. And I've seen, you know, I've mentioned him as a, a guy the Browns could look at on the edge. And people say, hey, he's a, he's a tackle. Break down Logan Hall. Who is he? What, how does he project at this level? 6'6", 280 pounds. So he has uh, the size that you could see at both spots. He was mostly a three technique at Houston. That, that's where he played. And honestly, when you talk to him, that's where he feels the most comfortable but when he did get reps on the outside and you give him a little bit of a runway and, you know, his first two steps, he accelerates so quickly and he's got that quickness, he's got the hands, he's got the length, give him that little bit of a runway and he can go through blockers. I think he gives you that versatility where he can work both inside, outside. Uh, ideally, you don't, you know, you, you want your defensive tackles not to be six six. you know, just the, the, the leverage issues that you run into. So I, I think that working him at both spots where he can win gaps with that initial quickness uh, on the inside, he, given that acceleration, uh, the, 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 the runway uh, on the outside, use him at both spots. So Logan Hall, there's a lot to like about him and that versatility. That, that's a key part of uh, what he is. And he's a young player. Uh, just you know, doesn't turn 22 for a couple more days. Um, and so I think that with you know, more coaching, uh, unlocking how to use his hands and uh, you know, just the, the pad level concerns, things like that, that that's why he could be available at 44, but you're getting a talent on the way up, a, a guy that's really developing. Uh, and, and you think about the trajectory where he's going to be uh, a year from now, two years from now, and what he could mean for your, for your defensive line. I, I think it'd be a great fit with what the Browns need and that, what they look for in their defensive linemen. Who are some other names of halls off the board there that you'd be looking at 44 uh, in that edge class? 
Uh, I, I like Drake Jackson quite a bit at a USC. Um, and I thought it was really interesting at the combine. He was 254 pounds at the pro day, 273 pounds. So almost 20 pounds uh, a difference there. And that tells me that scouts are telling him, hey, bulk up. Because uh, actually when Drake Jackson went to the USC as a freshman, he was a bigger guy. Uh, I mean, he was uh, someone that was you know, carrying 270, 280 pounds. And then when the new coaching staff came in, they moved him to a linebacker role. So he shed a lot of that weight, uh, played, played more standing up, and he was fine at that. But I thought he was at his best as a freshman where he was uh, a true defensive end, uh, a guy that had that size. And, and that, I think scouts are agreeing with me uh, based on my conversations and based on the fact that Drake Jackson put on almost 20 pounds to his pro day. Um, and he still has that athleticism. He still has the, the, the hand, uh, the hand moves, the power at the point of attack. Uh, he can win with bend around the edge. He can play the run. So Drake Jackson, I think, would be a, an excellent pick there in the second round. He just uh, just turned 21 years old, young player. Um, so there's a lot to like there. Nick Benito, if they're looking for a speed demon off the edge, someone who can capture the corner uh, with that burst and, and that that arc speed, Nick Benito's the guy. And now I think there are some questions about. As a run defender, um, you know, do you have to hide him a little bit? And how are you going to utilize him? Uh, use him as a spy, maybe stand him up. So you have to be creative. But if you want a guy that can go and just you know be disruptive, force the quarterback to to move his feet and, and think about what's coming off the edge, Nick Benito could be a fit. Yeah, because he's a little undersized, but as you said, just a demon around the edge, uh, a very much a speed rusher. Um, as you think now, as you kind of gone through and you've talked to teams, are there some people that you know you think may surprise with how early they go, or guys who may surprise with the way they fall? And one thing you could say, Andrew Barry's done a very good job of doing so far in the second round is getting what we would all call first round talents at second round prices and, and Grant Delpit was coming off of an injury and there were some questions about his tackling. I remember that that year, but mm -hmm. JOK was an absolute shock to still be on the board at that time. And he was going, you know, top 15 in a lot of mocks. Is there a guy like that? Is there a guy that, you know, fits kind of what the Browns do or what they're looking for the positions, you know, of need that maybe makes some sense as somebody to keep an eye on as, as a potential day two steal for Andrew Barry. Yeah, and JOK was my 15th best player last year. And, I mean, just yeah. to get him where they got him was uh, tremendous. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, I, I think, yeah, we'll see a few guys, uh, especially because, you know, we've talked about this before, how the top, the upper class is a little thin, and that, that middle class is so deep that draft boards are going to be different from team to team. And, and so because of that, we could absolutely see some surprises in the late first, pushing some other good players to the second round. Uh, yeah, like I, I, talking to teams, they think Tyler Linderbaum, the center from Iowa, is going to slip uh, out of the mm. first round, uh, which is kind of crazy because he's such a good player. But some teams are just they're, they're, the lack of length is a big issue for them. Um, you know, could that be, do they have a Browns have a high enough uh, grade on Linderbaum where they would want to make a move like that? Um, you know, I, I think that when you look at uh, some of the positions like linebacker. We could see, you know, uh, uh, with those two Georgia linebackers with N'Kobe Dean, Quay Walker, maybe they slip a little bit. We know David Ajabo from Michigan with that injury at his yes. birthday is not going to be a – probably not going to be a first-rounder, more than likely going to be somewhere in the second round. But, I'd love to know, take it, that gamble. I'd love that. Right. I think that's a great gamble to take. It, it, and I think that, you know, when, when you have a, a team like the Browns who don't have a first-round pick, and then if they take a player in the second round who – 
basically needs a redshirt year. Uh, you know, a lot of fans aren't going to be happy with that. But a year from now, you're, you know, you, you look at that and what that means for your defense. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a tremendous investment. So, uh, but, you know, obviously it's, uh, there's a reason Ojabo will still be available there at that point in the draft. And in my mock draft, I actually had the Chiefs who have uh, multiple picks in the first three rounds. So, you know, you, it's a little easier to stomach drafting a player like that in the second yep. round. But it's at least part of the conversation. It is the conversation Browns, uh, the front office, and Andrew Barry, they need to be having and try to try to forecast uh, who could slip a little bit. And, you know, they have the uh, – you know, obviously they wish they could be picking on Thursday night, but, you know, they can uh, you know, go to bed Thursday night, wake up Friday morning and restack the board, see who fell. Maybe they uh, get a little aggressive with one of those third rounders to move up uh, five spots, six spots. We've seen them do it before to, uh, to ensure that they get the guy that they want uh, you know, there's, it's, it's, I think you always want more picks, more bites at the apple, but it, it, I mean, you put all the, the money and resources into scouting for a reason, be aggressive, go get your guy. Yeah. And the Browns have not picked where they were scheduled to pick in the second round yet. The last two years under Andrew Barry, the first year you move back a couple of spots, still get Grant Delpit, get a fifth rounder that turns into Nick Harris, who was slated to be your starting center this year with the departure of JC Treader. Then last year, as you mentioned, you move up, you get aggressive and you go get Jeremiah Owusu, Koromoa, Dane. Uh, I'm sure that you are thrilled to be kind of getting close to the finish line. I'm sure for you, the finish line is when you publish the beast, but it is amazing. If you like football, if you want to learn about these guys, there is no stone unturned in his research about every single one of these prospects his knowledge of it is second to none check that out follow him on twitter at dp brugler if you don't already dane thanks so much for the time no i'm just i'm just glad i haven't lost my voice yet so no i appreciate it it's really. amazing I always enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, always a pleasure thanks man all right, the great Dane Brugler. When we come back, we'll talk with Browns quarterback Jacoby Brissett live here on Cleveland Browns Daily. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Welcome back to Cleveland Browns Daily, hour number two, kicking off in spectacular fashion as we are joined now by new Browns quarterback Jacoby Brissett. And Jacoby, first time we get to talk, welcome to Cleveland, welcome to the Browns, and, and thanks for joining us on the show here today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, Jacoby, let's walk through kind of your mindset this offseason. What made this feel like the place that you wanted to continue your career? Uh, I mean, obviously, give, give you another opportunity to play in the National Football League, which is, which is a huge, uh, you know, accomplishment for anybody uh, in any stage of their career. Uh, so that that was one of the main things. And then, you know, um, you know, just the 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 unknown was 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 uh, appealing to me. So um, you know, it provided me with that opportunity uh, to you know to possibly get a chance because you never know. Uh, you know, you're always one play away. Uh, from starting and, and um, you know and that's what I wanted this offseason and and you've been with the New England Patriots the Colts Miami now here with the Browns were, were there any ties I was trying to think Chad O'Shea was probably still with the Patriots when you were there but did you really know uh, many people here uh, I mean yeah Chad Chad was there when I was in New England and then uh, Andy Anthony Walker was with me uh, sure yeah was with me uh, but uh, other than that, I don't really think it was many other other uh, connections uh, that I had on the team. 
And you and AWOC are pretty tight, if I'm not mistaken. You flew yeah, up together. No, no, we're, we're, yeah, we're really, we're really good friends. <laughs> yeah, he is a fine man and somebody certain we've enjoyed getting to know over the past year and then glad that he's back for this year as well. Before we get into the football and all of that, I just wanted to talk to you about what did it mean to you to be the Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee for the Colts in 2020? I uh, you know it was awesome. Uh, you know, it's definitely one of the highlights of my career uh, is, is being acknowledged by my team as as one of the guys as the forefront of uh, of our community. Obviously, it was so many other guys that were uh, worthy of that that nomination uh, to be in that uh, category and being being to those conversa- conversations. Uh, when it comes to that that prestigious award, is, is always a great accomplishment. Uh, something that I always cherish. Uh, something that I actually, I mean, I just, I live by that to always pour into the community and, and, and be there, um, you know, as a support, uh, support for, for, you know, in any community, whether it's back home or the, the city that I'm in, hopefully leave it, um, you know, with a lasting impact, um, you know, when I'm, when I'm away from it uh, and, and I'll hopefully have, you know, those, I'll build those relationships with the communities that, you know, that, um, you know, whenever I'm back there or whenever I go home, uh, you know, that, you know that I'm never too far out of reach from the from from the communities. How did that get instilled in you? How did that become something that was so central to your fabric? Uh, uh, I think it was something that uh, you know I, I, I kind of craved when I was a kid. Uh, you know, and being being from where I'm from, uh, you know, the people that gave back to, to the community that I was in, uh, you know, I would say help you know mold me and help give me opportunities to to help put me in a position that I am today to to be able to to reciprocate that and um you know i know how important those things were and i know how important those things are and especially in the community that i grew up in is is having having um you know to, uh, a resource to be an outlet to those to the to the kids and to the community to be a source of light uh you know and, and i know how much of an impact that played on me uh so i was something that you know my mom always instilled in us and then and honestly the community instilled in us is you know, we always gave the people that left, always tried to, uh, you know, come back and give back to the community. That's awesome. And I'm sure you're aware Denzel Ward, who just signed a big extension, the cornerback that you no longer have to worry about on the field, which is good. He doesn't have to worry about you either. You guys can deal that uh, with that in training camp was our Walter Payton man of the year yep, uh, nominee in 2021. And it's a big thing. And, and the sense that I've gotten from being around, you know, this organization for 10 years, like that's one of the few non quote unquote performance awards that carries a lot of weight in a locker room. Definitely. Definitely. And I, and I think that, you know, when, when um, player, when you, when you see the, the, the amount of players in the locker room that I wouldn't say guys are competing for that award, but the amount of guys that actually give back to the to communities and, and, and take pride into you know, giving back and going into those communities and and and, and spending their time and their their resources with, with the with the community, um, you see how important those things are. And whether you're a nomination or a nominee or the winner, you know, it doesn't change. I don't think that really changes the mindset of the guys that you know they they'll do it without the accolade. Absolutely, and you've come to an organization where that is something that is very, very important here right from the top on down, from the Haslam's on down. So I think you'll fit in very well that way. You're going to fit in very well on the field also. I was looking at your numbers, two years of starter in Indy, 31 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. That's a great touchdown-interception ratio. Another 500 yards rushing. You threw 11, uh, had 11 touchdowns on the ground. What from those kind of two seasons where you got, that was kind of your most extensive starting duty, what did you kind of learn about yourself as a player and to be able to put up those kind of efficient numbers that the coaches love right when you're throwing 31 touchdowns only 13 picks over two seasons they love that you're taking care of the football 
uh, you know, and it's, it's uh, you know, just taking advantage of opportunities uh, and, and uh, always putting the team first and, and, and those and those things, but always staying ready, uh, you know, in, in both those situations. Obviously, uh, I mean, everybody likes to say thrust into those situations, but obviously, um, you know, being able to just come in and be prepared and, and, and understand, uh, you know, uh, who I am as a player, who I am as a person, and always being ready and being and, and being the guy that you know that whenever my number is called, like the coaches can count on me and know that, you know that. Um, you know that the the organization, the team, the offense, the the, the game is 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 no different when I'm there than than the guy that they originally wanted. Uh, but also hold my, myself to a standard that you know I don't look at myself as a quote unquote backup. I I, I can't stand that word personally, but um, you know I feel like I'm a quarterback in this league, and when I when I, whenever the opportunity presents itself where I'm playing, I think I am considered the starter so I, I just hold that uh with me and that's in my preparation and, and how I carry myself because you never know when those situations occur no you certainly do never know when those situations occur and I would imagine one of the ones that kind of just jumped right at you you go back to your rookie year and if I'm not mistaken I believe it was a Thursday night game against the the Texans that you made yeah, your first yeah. start yeah, and that one kind of came out of nowhere, right? And all yeah, of a sudden you're I mean, starting, and that was unbelievable. You guys go on and you win that one 27 to nothing. Yeah, no, I definitely, uh, you know, uh, Jimmy got hurt in the, the game before, uh, and I finished the game off against the Dolphins, I want to say, and then yeah. um, I started that next week, Thursday night, and then I, I ended up having to start the next game. So this league happened so fast, uh, you know, and I, I, I realized that at a young age, which was – which I think was very beneficial to me um, because I understood that and I and I carried that with me is because you never know um, when that play is going to happen or when when your time is going to be called. So, you know, always to be ready. Uh, and uh, you know, I think that suited me well for my career. So I know you're around Tom Brady for a brief period of time, your first year in the league. He's regarded as one of the best, you know, quarterback sneakers in the league. Did he ever divulge any secrets? And the reason I ask is because, you know, watching the way that you were used at times in Miami, you were kind of almost like a, a short yardage weapon for them in this offense at times. And so was that something that you would, did you pick up some tricks of the trade there? You're a big guy, 6'4", 230, but you're incredible in these short yardage situations. Uh, I def you know, you definitely learn, uh, you know, it was just pretty cool to learn his, like, uh, his techniques and, and his mindset were, uh, behind, uh, but it ultimately it just comes down to, you know, wanting to get the yard and then doing everything you can. Um, I like to say that it's, uh, all my work, but obviously I'm not the one pushing the pile and <laughs> those guys do that up front, but, uh, but yeah. I mean, it's cool though. I mean, it, it it's. By the way, it's a when you know it's third and one, fourth and one, and you're you're gonna get the yard. That's a great weapon to have at, at a coach's disposal, at a player's disposal, and something. I think it's cool the way that you embrace that at times. You know, in your career, saying, "Look, I can help this team win, even if it's you know you're ready, you're a starter, absolutely, you prepare like a starter. You've shown that you can be a starter in this league and play at a high level, but that you can do something that maybe other people just can't do at the level you can, and it allows you to help your football team win." And definitely, and, I, and that's that's like my mindset at any at any point in my career, whatever the situation is. You know, I'm always going to do whatever it takes for the team to win. Uh, I put the team before myself, obviously, in in every situation, and and you know those those opportunities presented themselves where 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 the team needed me to do that, and uh, you know it's uh, you know I definitely didn't take it lightly, and I and I try to do those at the best of my ability. 
You're a Super Bowl champ. You've been around it. You've seen it. You know the way that it, it needs to be. We're there for one of the great Super Bowls, really, in, in NFL history with that comeback against the Falcons. When you look at this team and you look at some of the talent that's been amassed here, what is, if there is anything, is that kind of secret ingredient? It's the NFL, everybody's good, right? Every team is yeah. good, has, has good to great players. What's kind of that secret ingredient? And I know you're, you're chasing that quest to get back there again, but it's a nice way to start off the career, by the way. What is kind of that thing that you kind of gleaned from your time in your in the NFL about what's that little that secret sauce that it that extra that allows teams to to have that success? Um, you know, I I wouldn't consider it, it, it a secret. I think uh, the thing is to to be consistent and be there every day uh, and work hard. Uh, and I think that's that's really what it is. Uh, and I think that's what I've learned uh, throughout that year being in New England. It was just like you know the thing that that the team did was the same things every day and, and didn't take those things for, for granted. Um, and I think every year is totally different. Every team is totally different. Uh, and I think right now we're building those, those good habits, those, those things that we can lean on, those, those, our fundamentals, our technique, our foundation of, of the offense, of the team, of the defense, of the special teams. I think that's what we build right now. And, um, you know, I think when, when when everybody comes together and we believe and we trust in those things and that we all know that we're on the same page, I think that's what builds, you know, championship teams. I think it's obviously too early to tell to tell sure. anything because we haven't played a game. But um, I think those are the things that you lean on. It's just like, hey, we're right now, what is our objective and our goal? And being able to attack that because we ultimately know that our 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 final goal is to to be a champion. Initial impressions of Kevin Stefanski. You've had an opportunity to be around, obviously, different head coaches. Bill Belichick, regarded by many as the greatest of all time. What are your kind of initial init- uh, impressions of, of Coach Stefanski? Uh, I mean, you can obviously tell that he's a, uh, you know he's going to be the same guy every day. You know, he's been the same guy since yeah. I've met him when I came up uh, when I came up here and, and talking to him, and then uh, being around the last couple of days in the building. Uh, he's been the same guy every day. He's talking to players and uh, other coaches and. Other people on the staff, you know, everybody always says he's the same guy every day, which as a player, that's one of the things that you want the most is a guy to be the same guy, whether you're winning or losing or you're up or down, because, you know, uh, you know, that's somebody that's going to be the, the, the consistent, uh, you know, steer of the ship, you know, as the head coach, you know, that that's uh, uh, when you know where you stand with the head coach that, that trickles down. And, uh, you know, sure. he obviously um, has, has had very uh, – very much success uh, in his career as a head coach. So, um, you know, I'm excited to be around him and, and learn from him. What's it like for a veteran like yourself to be able to come to an organization where you've got, you know, your head coach is was a play caller. Obviously, that's why one of the reasons he got the job, what he did in Minnesota, was able to come in, was the coach of the year two years ago. You've got, you know, the venerable Bill Callahan, who's been a play caller and a head coach in his own right. Chad O'Shea was a play caller in Miami. Uh, you've got Alex Van Pelt, who's been a play caller in Cincinnati and has worked, with, obviously, with, as a Green Bay coach, uh, quarterback coach there with Aaron Rodgers for a while. To have so many guys, and then in your room, Drew Petzing, who has worked his way up kind of very much like Kevin Stefanski, get an opportunity to come into the quarterback room for the first time with you guys. What do you, what's kind of your thoughts on the staff like that that works so well together but has such an, a, a vast background of experience actually doing it at the highest level this league has to offer? I think that's, I think that's when you watch film, you just see how, how, how collaborative – you can tell how collaborative the group is. You yeah. know, everybody, um, you know, has um, – you know, input into the game plans, and and you can see that the the 
you know, the versatility of the offense and, and, and being able to call different plays at different times. And, you know, obviously I had experience with, with uh, O'Shea and Chad and being on the same same wavelength for him as well. And, you know, I remember coming in here talking to him uh, my first week here, and he was just like, you know, we we like, you know, input. We like collaborate, collaborating and, you know, having all, all that experience from other players, other coaches, uh, you know, calling plays and then them trusting the players to, to give uh, give them ideas. Um, you know, you can understand why, you know, this offense has been one of the best offenses in the league the last couple of years. Is that cool as a player? And is that unique? Is that unique to have that kind of collaboration and want that much input from players? Uh, definitely, because, uh, because you know, obviously uh, in this league, you know, a lot of coaches, you know, are, you know, what they know is what they know. Uh, and it's hard to, to, to change. And, 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 uh, and that's, that's, that's good and bad at the same time, which, um, you know, being able to, to collaborate with not only more, more coaches that have, that have called plays and been in, been the play caller, but players who are actually in the game um, and having, you know, the guy that's caught, that's doing the plays uh, has some, some say so is pretty cool, pretty unique. Uh, so I'm excited to see how that'll be. Uh, and, and um, you know, I'm sure to, sure to turn out well because, you know, obviously Deshaun has history playing, Josh has history playing, and, you know, myself sure. obviously. So it'll be pretty cool. You just mentioned your quarterback room, and in your press conference earlier today you brought something up unprompted that I thought was was to use your words, pretty cool. And you said it's my first time being in an all-black quarterback room. It's pretty cool. I'm not sure if it's the first. It might be the first in, in league history. I'm not sure about that. We need wow. to get an intern yeah. on this program to figure that out. But it, it, it is a pretty powerful thing. And I, I'm not, I don't know if you guys have discussed it, but the fact that you brought it up unprompted means it made an impact on you, clearly. What, is that, what did that feel like? What, what do you hope to accomplish with you know, that group? And, and what is, I think, a historic situation? Yeah, like I said, the press. I mean, it's very unique. It's very cool. Uh, you know, not not too many chances uh, you get something like that. You know, where you know, whereas black quarterbacks are just not. I want to say just starting, but you know, over the over the last you know ten, twelve years, or, or getting you know the respect that we can actually do this position, and, and then now you get a room with you know where it's all black, all black guys as quarterbacks uh, in there. It's pretty cool. Uh, you know, we haven't you know, went in depth about, um, you know, the, the impact that that is uh, of having a group like that, uh, sure. which I'm sure we will soon. We just have been, you know, all over the place for the last couple of days. I'm sure when we sit down and just start, like, really talking about, you know, things that that'll come up. Um, you know, it's very unique. It's, it's Like I said, it's very cool. Uh, you know, and, and the thing that accomplishes, you know, just to, to, to show, you know, that, you know, we all are very capable of handle, handling this position. We all are smart enough. We all can – can play at a, a very high level, um, and and we aren't here by chance. You know, we all we all worked for, for this position, and, and you know, all are are very worthy to be in the room uh, and to to hold the weight of of an organization. And um, uh, you know, I'm excited to 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 show that. Well, we're certainly excited to have you here. We're excited for you guys to do exactly what you just said and to show that and, and show the world just how talented your room can be, how talented this team can be, how successful it can be. And uh, it, it's a pleasure talking to you. Looking forward to meeting you in person next time. But thanks for being on the show. Thanks for picking the Cleveland Browns and excited to see what, what you guys can accomplish here in 2022. Thank you so much. Have a good day.
All right, the great Jacoby Brissett, our guest here on CBD right there. We told you guys, loaded show today. I mean, absolutely loaded. Gibbe goes away. He's on vacation. He's like, all right, you guys run through the whole roster. You do all this, do that. And he comes back and he's like, loaded show. Gibbe's back. Let's load this bad boy up. And that's exactly what has happened here today. So Jacoby Brissett, we had Dane Brugler earlier. We heard from Denzel Ward. When we come back, we're going to hear from... We'll kind of reset, reset a little day, bit, real then, quick, and then you'll hear from Coach at the bottom of the bottom hour. of the hour. Browns head coach Kevin Stefanski here. Cleveland Browns daily rolling on ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns daily on eight fifty ESPN Cleveland. There's lots of bad advice out there about gambling, from secret methods to picking lottery numbers to betting big when you're on a roll. These myths can lose you money and get you in a lot of trouble. So before you wager, find out what's real and what isn't at KeepItFunOhio.com. All right, a little bit of news here from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea. The Browns making a couple of roster moves. They have signed a defensive end, Isaac Rochelle, and wide receiver Javon Wims. Rochelle, a Notre Dame product, comes to the Browns after stints with the Los Angeles Chargers from 2017 to 20, where the Chargers made him a seventh-round pick in the 2017 draft. And then last year, he was with the Indianapolis Colts. Rochelle's appeared in eight in 63 career games. He's got nine starts, 86 tackles, nine and a half sacks, three PBUs, and one interception. In 2021, he saw action in 12 games, posting 17 tackles for the Indianapolis Colts. As the Browns look, they're just filling out this room. I don't think this has anything to do with Jadavian Clowney uh, or the draft plans. But when you go into training camp, you typically need six to eight defensive ends. You typically have eight in training camp. The Browns right now. Prior to uh, signing Weatherly a couple days ago, and now Rochelle, they had three. So now they have five. They've got Miles Garrett, Winovich, Rochelle, Weatherly, and Curtis Weaver. Uh, I imagine I, Clowney's still very much in the mix, and I still think every day that goes by is a good day, uh, increases the odds for the Browns that Jadevian Clowney will come back, uh, and you've got room to draft somebody as well. So. I wouldn't look into this too much. Let's not forget they had eight last year in camp. They had eight the year before at, at defensive tackle as well. So they, that's what you need to go into training camp. The Browns just don't have enough bodies at that spot yet. But Isaac Rochelle, a guy that has played in this league and been in the league for five straight years, and he's going to have an opportunity to compete to try to make this football team. Javon Wims entered the NFL as a seventh-round pick in 20, 224th overall by the Bears in 2018 in his career. 28 catches, 266 yards, two touchdowns, 33 career games, seven starts for the Bears from 2018 to 2020. Uh, he spent 2021 on the Raiders practice squad. He went to Georgia uh, for his college career. And another receiver that the Browns will look to, you know, you got to get more guys in that room as well, keep people fresh for the quarterbacks. And Wim's a guy who has a chance now after being able to say that he scored a couple touchdowns in the NFL to try to get back to an active roster after spending last year on the practice squad for the Las Vegas Raiders. When we come back, head coach Kevin Stefanski at the podium. First time speaking to the media since the Browns are back at the Cross Country Mortgage Campus. <laughs> Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Welcome back to Cleveland Browns Daily. It is official. The Browns announcing that 
Pro Bowl cornerback Denzel Ward has signed his five-year contract extension. I mean, it's been official, but now it is officially official. Uh, here's what Kevin Stefanski had to say. He said, I'm really excited for Denzel and his family. It's a well-deserved reward for his outstanding play on the field and work in our community. Denzel has the attitude that he's committed to constantly getting better as a player, and we know it's going to continue to work with our coaching staff to improve, and we are very happy that it will continue to be an important part of our defense for many years to come. Again, we'll have tons of Denzel Ward content for you, cleanbrowns.com, the Browns mobile app, and on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Browns. Speaking of head coach Kevin Stefanski, spoke with the media for the first time since having his team back for phase one of the offseason workout programs, and here's what he had to say. We'll be back here just like it was good to have the players back here. Uh, as they arrived in the snow globe yesterday, uh, just to have them in the building, in the weight room, in the classroom, uh, there's an energy that our players bring. Uh, so that was uh, awesome to see everybody here and, and working together. So they're in those meetings uh, throughout this week. Phase one, as you know, it's really the classroom and the weight room. We'll transition into phase two in a couple weeks where we'll get out on the field with the players. But, uh, you know, again, bringing that energy and uh, great to see. And uh, with that, I'll take any questions you guys have. Message during these early days with these guys, you're bringing in a lot of new faces, all kinds of turnover. I think to that point, Tom, you know, with those new faces, you have to come together as a team. 2022 team is different than 2021, and, and that's just the nature of the NFL. As we all know, there's new faces, there's new coaches. We have some new uh, staff members moving people around. So part of that is just getting around each other to come together as a team. It's really the number one goal. Now, that's not the only goal. We have to teach and reteach our systems. We have to learn and relearn our systems. Uh, but we want them to know that this building and, and this campus uh, is a safe, competitive, fun place for them to be during this offseason program. I assume you've spent a little bit more time with Deshaun mm -hmm. uh, in the last couple of days. I'm just curious about your impressions of him. Yeah, I think he's doing a really nice job uh, you know, learning the system. He's spending a lot of time with Jacoby and Josh. You know, we really have three new quarterbacks in there. Uh, so there's a lot of learning that's going on. There's a lot of teaching, as you can imagine. I think he's doing a nice job of, of diving into it. And there's really no no way to do it other than to start at square one and, and go back over how we call things, formations, defensive terminology, et cetera. Uh, and he's doing a nice job. You've had him for about a month now, Kevin. So how much different will the uh, offense look with Sean than previously? Yeah, we've had him for a month, but really we've only been able to talk football uh, in the last week. Uh, so we're just diving into that. We're, we're, we're talking as a staff. We're talking with Deshaun, uh, understanding some of our concepts that we're tweaking and, and those type of things. So those are ongoing, uh, but it's April. Uh, and we'll, we'll continue to, to work uh, through all of that this spring. What's been the interaction with Baker Mayfield? What do you? What are your plans? Do you expect to see him? Has he been told not to show up? Yeah, Tony, I'd tell you that's a unique situation. Uh, it's fluid, um, and we'll just continue to work through it uh, as we go uh, each day. I mean, you don't expect him here. It's a voluntary program. You know, what we won't do is we won't say who's here, who's not here. It's it's voluntary. The guys that show up, we're excited that they're here. We're excited to work with them. Uh, but, you know, guys that were here yesterday might be here Monday. Guys come in throughout the week. So we're just going to make sure that the guys are here, uh, that we're working hard. Characterize the attendance so far. <laughs> it's been good. Is that, how's that? You're the wordsmith, Tony. Uh, I, I think more than anything, Tony, I think it's 
fun that the guys are back in the building. This is really the first phase one that I've had with, with the guys. And uh, you can't do a ton of football other than the classroom, but I just think there's there's great value in them working out with their teammates in here, developing those relationships, which, as we all know, were hard when we weren't together and then were even hard when we were in the building and you had to spread out and you had to have the, the locker rooms were spread out and, and you had the plastic up in between the lockers. So I think those barriers, so to speak, are down uh, and it's such an important time to come together as a team. You have obviously overhauled the quarterback room, the skill set, athleticism and so forth. Do you feel like you have to overhaul your system or can you can you just adapt and pivot to that skill set? Well, I, I think we definitely uh, have to adapt to our players and certainly the quarterback is, is so important in what we do. Uh, so we will make sure that we do what Deshaun does best, what the quarterback room does best. So those are the type of things that we're working through as we study, uh, as we've studied uh, Deshaun and Jacoby and Josh and understand what those guys do best and, and make sure that we can do that uh, come September. Uh, to get there, though, there's a lot of meetings, there's a lot of install, there's a lot of practice that has to occur to ultimately tell you how much we will change. With the Denzel extension, um, just what does it mean to you to have him kind of locked in, both on and off the field? What does he mean to this team? Yeah, I think it's outstanding for Denzel, for his family. Uh, he's earned it, uh, the way he's played, the way he's uh, conducted himself off the field, what he's done in our community. Uh, he speaks to uh, the type of culture uh, that, that, that the Haslam family has in this uh, community, and, and Denzel just embodies that. So excited to lock him up. He's a good football player at a really premium position. Head coach Kevin Stefanski right here on the home of the Browns. In, in that locker room, and that's yeah, I think, you know, he's going into what year is he going into? Five? Yeah, so I think he's certainly found his voice from a leadership position uh, from playing so much football, and the guys respect him. He he, he puts the work in, he plays hard, uh, does it the right way. So I, I think he's certainly developing his own voice. Going back to Deshaun and even Amari, is there excitement as a coach to have new guys that you can, you know, find stuff or, you know, just trying to get the best out of the offense? Is that exciting to change some stuff? Absolutely. I think for our coaching staff, I think anytime we add a, a new player, we really go into that room and put the tape on and get on the board and talk about what we can do with those players. Now, as I've said to AVP many times, there's no shortage of plays. You can put a lot of plays up there, but it's more about what do our guys do best and how can we uh, utilize them so that they're, they're doing their best. So in a guy like Amari, for instance, the routes he runs, wh where do we want to line them up? Uh, and those are the type of conversations that you have when you want acquire Amari, and now it's a matter of putting that into practice. And again, phase one is just the classroom. We can't yet get on the field with him, but there will be a time for that. Expose everything, but like when you look at Deshaun, is there something that one particular area that you're really excited to be able to get to work with him on? Uh, not one. No, I wouldn't tell you one particular area. I think it's a body of work with him. Uh, input will Deshaun have in the kind of offense that he's going to run, and how is that looking between the two of you now in terms of you know working on the playbook and? adding things that, that he really likes? Yeah, I think, Mary Kay, with the quarterback, you do want this to be a collaboration. Uh, and, and it's really all quarterbacks are different, uh, and you want to make sure you meet them uh, where they are. Uh, Deshaun's very open-minded to trying different things that he hasn't done. Similarly, we're very open-minded to 
putting in schemes that he has a lot of success in that we haven't done, uh, for instance. So it, it's an ongoing conversation, but just I would tell you day in and day out with him, just spending time with him yesterday and today, uh, he, he wants to uh, certainly grow as a player, uh, and he wants to try uh, different concepts. And I think that's the beauty of the spring and, you know, if you call May and June, where you can get out on the field and it's somewhat of a laboratory and you try those things out and see what fits. And there's going to be a bunch of things that, that we hope fit. And you take that into training camp and certain things that maybe he doesn't love, you know, you don't do because it's just ultimately what our quarterback is most comfortable doing. Today got asked a similar question about Deshaun, but just in these few weeks that you guys have had Amari, what have your first impressions been of him and what are you most excited about in terms of his skill set? Yeah, Coop's been great, uh, very responsive uh, to, to coaching. Um, he, he, Amari, as you guys will, will know, maybe do know, he's, he's not uh, the loudest guy in the room, but he's very, very thoughtful, uh, very, very intelligent, uh, has been productive really every year he's been in this league, uh, is a good teammate. Uh, just watching him work uh, there in the weight room and, and seeing him around his teammates, I, I think he's a guy that, that really works hard. He, he puts in the work. He's not somebody that's skirting around the work in any way. Florida and today you mentioned the value of having this, this part of the program for the first time. Is it more X's and O's or more team chemistry? Yeah, I don't know. It's both. Whatever the, the breakdown is, it's definitely both because I, I just think uh, – We've all been through that virtual remote world, and, and it's doable. It's just it's hard, and, and I think there's just such great value uh, in guys sitting down and breaking bread together, you know, which seems simple, but we haven't done it. So to have the guys in the cafeteria, uh, to have them in the locker room together, in the weight room, the classroom, it's just putting people around each other and, and starting to develop those relationships, it's really important. All three of your quarterbacks share some physical characteristics. They're bigger, they're mobile. Run with the ball. It's not coincidence, right? Why did you feel the need to reshape your quarterback room physically? Yeah, I think we felt like we added three good players, and and ultimately they do share some uh, skill sets. Tony, not not uh, not all the exact same in that regard, but certainly, like you mentioned, bigger, uh, a little bit more athletic. Uh, the three guys together, uh, but. Ultimately, it's, it's what those three guys do best, and there's certainly a thread of, of things that they do well that we want to make sure that we're uh, utilizing. Did Deshaun address the team yesterday or today? I'm not going to get into what guys are talking about, Scott, necessarily. I would tell you he's done a nice job uh, being around the guys. He told you that he's going to have to miss some of the voluntary program um, for any of the legal things that are still going on in Texas, or is he expected to be here the whole time? Yeah, I think we'll work through those type of things. As you know, there's ongoing uh, proceedings, and, and we'll make sure that we work through those. How do you make sure the guys avoid all these distractions that are going to be swirling around? They are, and they're going to be for probably a while. Yeah, I think, Marla, that's what our guys do really well. They're professionals, and, and they know that when we're in the building, we, f we focus on what's in front of us, whether it's in the classroom or the weight room, and eventually when we're out in the field, that's that's being, being a pro, is making sure when you're in this building, uh, you're here to work, and that's what the guys are doing. Back, back to Baker for a second. Last week, he had some pretty strong comments about feeling disrespected by the team. I was just wondering your reaction to hearing that. I'm not going to get into the specifics of those type of things, Tom. Uh, again, it's a it really is a unique situation, and we'll just work through it. 
early and, and right now you're doing the team bonding chemistry aspect of it. But as you're entering these training uh, programs and the OTAs, have you had a chance to look back at, at last year in terms of the injuries and the approach to it as you're doing these training programs? And if so, what does that look like for you? Yeah, we've spent a lot of time uh, on that front uh, as an organization, and, and we certainly uh, wanted to address those things uh, that came up. And, and as you know, sometimes soft tissue injuries and are, are unavoidable. We want to avoid the ones that we can. So we'll continue to try to be smart with our players when they're in this building, utilizing the resources that we have in this building, and being smart when we are not in the building. And when they leave here to go work out in the summertime before training camp, being smart about what they're doing. But uh, it's it definitely uh, we want to be intentional about anything we do when it comes to injury prevention. Yet if you are able to bring in more of those resources, that was a, a point last season where it was kind of limited on who you could bring in and what kind of programs right. you could offer. Yeah, I think you're definitely uh, going to see uh, around the league that, that buildings are more open to having those type of resources. And I think, like I mentioned to you guys, I think uh, a couple weeks back, you'll see what we're doing in this building. Uh, in the next couple of days uh, to to address some of those things. The recovery room that you guys are building in the old weight room, um, how much of that was a result of that feedback that we had asked you about at the end of the season that you got from players? And just, you know, what's your expectation of the impact that that's going to have once you guys get that done? Yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily characterize it that way, Daryl, that it was a direct response to, to those type of things. I just think it was the... Uh, you know, a great j vision by uh, people in this building, support from ownership to to better think about that space. Uh, you know, when I first got here, we never thought we'd move the weight room full time into the indoor facility, and we've done that. Uh, and I think we've even done it better in the last uh, couple of weeks as we've reimagined that space. So that was part of it, getting some smart people together and talking about how we could better utilize that space. I'm not one of those smart people to talk to you about exactly what they did, but in due time, we'll have uh, somebody talk through that. What did you like about Brissett? Why did you feel you needed to make a move there versus the Keenum trade? Yeah, uh, Jacoby's a, a young football player who's played a good amount of games, uh, understands how to win, uh, has really been in, in some different systems uh, that have allowed him to grow in his football intelligence, uh, really quality person. I think you guys are going to get a chance to talk to Jacoby in a little bit. Uh, quality person, very very intelligent. Uh, just felt like he, his skill set uh, was something that would match up real well with uh, our offense. How have your players received Deshaun Watson just in terms of you know some of the off-the-field stuff? Are you uh, noticing that he's being embraced by his teammates? And what's the energy like amongst them? Yeah, I certainly think he's being embraced by his teammates, Mary Kay. Uh, you know, we're in day two of the off-season program, so I think it's like any player on your team that's new. It takes time to develop relationships, and I think now is that time. So what they do in the building here, when they go uh, leave this building, spending time together, I think those things uh, happen uh, naturally. Have you encouraged Deshaun to approach the topic of his legal situation with his new teammates as he tries to build relationships? Yeah, I'm not going to get into specifics there, Nate, but I would tell you with all of our new players, uh, when you're first around your teammates, there, there's a, a, a process that you go through and getting to understand people, and uh, you can't do that all at once. And, and 
and meet with the entire, have lunch with the entire team type of thing. But over time, I think uh, Deshaun, like all of our new players, understand that you have to spend time at it when you're talking about developing relationships. Have you guys, uh, the Browns uh, gained any better understanding about when a suspension uh, decision might be uh, determined by the league? Uh, I don't have an answer for that right now. Jacoby's. I was going to ask Jad Conklin. Do you know, is, I don't know if he's here, of course. But, he's here, um, and he's working really hard. hes I don't have a, a date for you, but he's on schedule with everything. Uh, he's doing a nice job. How valuable is Jacoby's starting experience given the possibility that Deshaun could be successful? Yeah, I think it's its valuable. I think you have a young player that's played a good amount of football in his career. Uh, he's won games. He understands how to play the position. He understands how to take care of the ball, how to lead. He understands how to win without getting any reps. Uh, in a given week, so he's done a nice job. He's been a starter and a backup. I just think there's value with with that position, understanding uh, his role and understanding that his role can change uh, in, in a moment's notice. Knowing Last one the potential suspension looming, how does that change your approach with your new quarterback room as a, as a coach and trying to plan ahead? I imagine it's kind of a challenge to get these guys obviously ready, and it's still early. Right. Yeah, I think that's part of our job is to get to plan that everybody's got to be ready to play. And then as more information becomes available, then we can adjust uh, how we structure practice, how we structure, uh, you know, rotations, those type of things. But absent that information, you know, I can't really speculate just yet. But certainly as more information comes out. Uh, we'll be ready to address, adjust uh, and address any new information. All right, that's head coach Kevin Stefanski at the podium. He was talking a lot at the end right there about Jacoby Brissett. And if you missed our interview with Brissett at the top of this hour, be sure to seek it out wherever you get your podcasts or on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Brown. So much more to come as we wrap it up on a first Friday edition of Cleveland Browns Daily. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. All right, wrapping it up here on this first Friday. Coming up tomorrow, Bo Bishop will be back with us on the program. Amari Cooper, we will hear from the Browns' new wide receiver. Uh, Plus, we will have just the latest from Berea. Latest going on with the Browns, latest around the NFL. Any updates on the Debo Samuel situation? And perhaps an exclusive one-on-one with our very own Denzel Ward, the highest paid cornerback in the history of the league, the Warden of the North. And we've got some great content coming out. Follow at Browns on Twitter, any of our social media platforms. A lot of great stuff. Highlights coming out with Denzel Ward and just seeing the player that he is for the Browns and, and exciting to think about the player he will continue to become for the Cleveland Browns, for Gibbe, for Jacoby Brissett, for Dane Brugler. I am Nathan Zgura saying thanks for listening to another edition of Cleveland Browns Daily. The next level is next. You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and ESPN 850 WKNR.